Hi, everyone, and welcome to the second edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg, and I'm your host. Today, I will be talking to Uwe Steinkraus from Unified Automation about the technology behind OPC UA. Uwe will tell us what is so special about it. He will talk about the architecture, about modeling, about communication concepts, protocols, about scalability and reuse, all the good things that make OPC UA what it is and why it has been so successful. Okay, let's start. Hello, Uwe. Thanks for joining. How are you? Hello, Peter. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. Uwe, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a bit about yourself, your company, Unified Automation, and your involvement to date with OPC and the OPC Foundation. Yes, of course. My name is Uwe Steinkraus, and I'm the CEO of the company Unified Automation, based in Nuremberg, Germany. We are doing software development kits and toolkits in all programming languages. Our customers integrate those libraries into their devices. And we create OPC UA tools and solutions since the very first day back in 2006 when everything started. We also support the technical working groups and we do prototyping. We do the test and specification together with the OPC Foundation. And we continuously contribute and support on marketing events, roadshows, fairs, trade shows, whatever is going on in the OPC Foundation. We are part of it. Very good. You've been there since the beginning. Very nice to hear. And that's why we can expect a very detailed, knowledgeable understanding from your side. So, Uwe, how is OPC UA, technologically speaking, different or what is new relative to other standards? In that respect, I would say that it is the first industrial-grade communication standard that combines the modeling with a secure transport. And this combination is the key to success. It meets the requirements in factory automation, but also in process industry. Very good. What is so special about secure transport? Do not other secure protocols exist as well? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. But the continuity of the data transport from the smallest data source up to the consumer of the information across all the levels, that has not existed yet. So especially not in industrial automation. The end-to-end -end security that is introduced here down to the shop floor is also a new approach that was not known in the industry automation since OPC UA. And we are here not talking about encryption only. OPC UA adds access permission down to a single process value. Yes, and, and we'll be talking about security in, in more detail in a further upcoming edition of the podcast. Tell us about the concept of modeling. What is modeling and what do we need it for? Yeah, we need the data modeling to describe things or to be more precise here, we describe the meaning of the data. And that is the so-called metadata that comes out of the box. So it comes out of the same device where the data recedes anyway. And that is what we need for a term called plug and play or plug and produce, as we call it in the industry. So it's all about self-describing things and self-describing data. 
And for that, we have in OPCUA an object-oriented description model, and we can describe any kind of data. And with that, OPCUA turns the raw data into useful information. So it's the same mechanism to read metadata and the data, and it's coming all out of the same box. Does that mean that every company produces their own model of their machines and equipment? What if users of different machine brands want to interact with these machines? Do they need to understand all of the different models? Not really, but each device or machine vendor, of course, could create his own model. But the real benefit of the modeling comes when the model is standardized as well. So that is what we call the companion specification models. So a group of machine builders and machine vendors sit together and create their companion specification model. They describe the data of their type of machinery. And if that is then standardized across all the vendors, then, of course, the real benefit comes into place. And those groups can be with machine builders or device vendors, but also for a certain branch or a certain use case. The generic access to the data will always work. But if the consumer of the data is able to specialize on the data model, then he can do special things with the data because he understands the data. And that is a requirement for flexible and smart networking and data exchange. Very good. I recall that uh, Stefan, in the uh, first edition of our podcast at the end, talked about how the Umati information model has become available to the market. So Umati would be one of these examples of what you just described, right? Absolutely. And there are others coming up. At the moment, we have around 50 companion specifications that are ongoing under construction or already finished. And they're coming more and more literally every day. Okay. OPC UA standard provides two communication mechanisms, client server and publish subscribe, also known as PubSub. Why not concentrate on just one? Yeah, that's right. OPC UA has these two communication mechanisms, and we have those two because we need both to meet all the requirements of the industrial automation space. So there are advantages of each one of those for certain use cases. And even beyond the industrial automation and factory and process automation, we can cover the use cases with those two mechanisms. So when does the listener use client-server and why? What is the advantage of using client-server? The client-server uses what we call the request-response paradigm. And so it's only communicated exactly what it is asked for. So it's based on a peer-to-peer -peer connection and uh, it uses a TCP IP typically. And so there's a direct connection between the two communication partners. And OPC UA defines an abstract service API, which is used for service-oriented architectures. So there are services defined that the communication partner can call and then they get the response for it. And the advantage of that is the reduced bandwidth because only what is asked for is really transported over the wire. And only if the data has changed, it is transported. If it stays the same, it's not transported because the receiver already has that information. 
And secondly, we have a very robust transmission because the client and the server are in the context of a session and they have configurable timeouts for every single service call. There is a disconnection is both sides live monitoring with keep alive mechanisms. We also have sequence numbers and response confirmation for every single request response ping pong going on over the wire. And with that, we have a very robust transmission of the information. OPC UA has also data queues and retransmission on the layer seven. So nothing gets lost, even if the connection gets interrupted. When it gets reestablished, we get all the data and all the events that happens during our absence. Okay, so that is client server. Same for PubSub. When do we use PubSub and, excuse me, at what advantage? So PubSub is actually for a different use case. It's a different way to access the data in the OPC device. And you can put it like, if only the last value is the exciting one, you should consider PubSub. So if you're interested only in the last value of the communication, the PubSub uses UDP multicast, and it can be used for one-to-many scenarios. So if you have one publisher that sends out repeatedly the data set, many subscribers can listen to that information. And the advantage of that is that you can reach many receivers with a minimum of CPU and memory resources. So typically with very low cost devices, because you're sending out the data only once and all the listeners are getting the same stuff. The second advantage is that you can have a very fast transmission in a local subnet. There's no backup, no queue, no retransmission or flow control or whatsoever, because only the last value is of interest and you just repeat the data so you get the last value. And what is required for those kind of communications is a stable network infrastructure. And this is what is called with the term quality of service. That is an important role on the infrastructure you need for PubSub communication. Am I correct in understanding that a client server has been there as integral part of OPC UA from the beginning and that PubSub was added lately? I don't know exactly when. Yeah, exactly. It was added in beginning of 2018. And with this mechanism, we now have more use cases we can cover with the OPC UA technology. Right. So that's a, that's a nice example of the, let's say, extendability of the OPC UA architecture. So it clearly shows OPC UA not being like a, a protocol, but being an architecture, which, and we'll get to another technology in a second. So if there is a new important technology concept coming to market, OPC UA is capable of taking it inside and extending the architecture, right? Absolutely correct. Whenever some new technology hits the market, of course, OPC UA, the group is monitoring it and looking at it. And if that is used in a wide range and has a coverage of a use case we cannot cover since then, then of course, we try to integrate and to use those new technologies. We don't need to invent the wheel new every time. We take what is there. So let's look at exactly one of these uh, new developments. 
Tell us about TSN and how TSN plays into deciding what communication mechanism to choose. Yeah, uh, TSN, the time-sensitive network, provides exactly this stable network infrastructure on layer two and all this quality of service. And so for the OPCUA and the PopSub, we are just using the TSN. We can use other infrastructures as well, like 5G or wireless, or we can use the new Ethernet APL. But with the TSN, we have, in contrast to normal Ethernet or standard Ethernet, which uses the best effort principle, with TSN and the quality of service it gives the infrastructure, we can even do deterministic data transmission. And with that, new use cases arise for OPCUA where the timeliness is important. For example, motion control and functional safety applications. Very good. Now we've received the base understanding of both communication mechanisms. Does one, so do the listeners have to choose either client server or PopSub? No, I would say ideally you don't have to choose because both variants will be part in an OPC UA-enabled component in parallel. So it's both in there, ideally. And in addition, if you have the TSN or 5G or Ethernet AAP infrastructure, you can just use that. And so you can use that device and the technology for it on the lowest field level, on the sensor level. You can use it inside a machine. And without TSN, you can use it with PopSub in a cell or a production line. And on controller and SCADA HMI level, you can use OPC UA either with PopSub or with client server, depending on your use cases. And on the higher level, like an MES or ERP system or on factory level, you probably would go for the client server because of its no loss of data. And for configuration or engineering purposes, you typically would use also the client-server model because you want the request response for that. In the IT or cloud level, you could use either one or both. For example, for pure telemetry data, you would use PopSub in a many-to-one configuration. But for the commands and control, you probably want to use the client-server. So the majority of the devices will have both options and the use case decides which is the best for the job and that's the one you just use. Very good. And independent of the communication mechanism, your information model stays the same or maybe one step further, I could imagine that specific use cases where you typically use either client-server or PopSub typically maybe have a specific information model to go with it. Yeah, actually, the information model in the server or in that device providing the data will always be the same. And inside that model, we have a configuration model which we can use to configure the publish-subscribe parameters and the network parameters. And so we use the same model for the description of the data the data itself, and the configuration of the device. In the IT and especially in the cloud world, communication protocols like AMQP or MQTT exist. Do I continue using them instead of OPC UA or 
How does OPC UA deal with them? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. We have established protocols in the world of cloud communication already. And with OPC UA, we do not reinvent them. OPC UA just uses them. We can use AMQP or MQTT. We can even use WebSockets, for example, for browser applications. And the use case decides which one we use. And that's why we call it use case specific protocol binding. And we use the most common protocols and the ones that cover the use case. And the publisher can provide data. And for example, some middleware, typically a broker, will collect this data and the subscribers can pick it up. But we can also run the publisher with MQTT for direct cloud connectivity. So have I correctly understood that uh, next to build-in security, which uh, we'll be talking about in a separate edition, scalability and reuse are further two key elements of OPC UA? Yes, I would say there's this one information model which combines the data plus the metadata in the same box and preferably, of course, standardized in a companion specification. Then we have two access mechanisms, the client server and the publish subscribe, which we select depending on the use case. And ideally, both are in the device anyway. And at the third point, we have the transport protocols, which are selected according to the use case. And there are typically three that I would highlight here. One is, of course, the TCP IP, then the MQTT for the cloud communication and the TSN. But there are also others that we use. And the one key element is a continuity of the UA model from the smallest sensor up to the IT and cloud. And the second key element is the reuse of the established protocols. So according to the use case, we just take the protocol that's doing best on the job. So OPC UA is based on Ethernet, and we have two encodings, the binary encoding and the JSON encoding. And we can transport it natively over UATCP or over UDP, but we can also use MQTT or WebSockets, all of which are well-established open standards. And we can run the whole thing over different network infrastructures. Typically and most commonly used is, of course, the standard Ethernet. But the time-sensitive network is very common for deterministic use cases. But we can also use the 5G and the wireless. And we can also use the Ethernet APL. Uwe, thanks for this wonderful uh, summary at the end of the questions on technology about OPC UA, which I believe shows the great architecture behind the technology. It was a pleasure listening to your explanations. I think you did a great job visualizing how OPC UA works. Of course, this was not more than interview introduction to the technology of OPC UA. So if you, dear listener, want to learn more about the OPC UA technology or about the OPC Foundation, we suggest you visit the website at opcfoundation.org. If you have a proposal for topics or maybe you're interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, maybe you want to become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise, please email the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. We'll put both the website URL and the email address in the uh, podcast notes. 
In future editions, I will be doing interviews with more special guests on topics such as security, how to get started, the cloud, markets and use cases, and a couple of others. It was great to have you with us today. If you like what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news. Looking forward to have you with us again. Uwe, thank you for having been my guest today. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye-bye.